Hello everyone, welcome back to Holding Fast to Faith. I'm your host, Brett Hill, and today we have a really good message coming to you out of 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 7 through 10. It's called A Demonstration of God's Grace. I'm coming out of the King James Version today, so if you don't have your Bibles, pause the podcast, run, get your Bible, come back and join us. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 7 through 10. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. But be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God, who hath saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given unto us in Christ Jesus before the world began, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Listen, church, I want to tell you today that sin, this this sin that mankind has demonstrated since the beginning of time, it deserves the death that is the penalty. It deserves the punishment. Mankind deserves the punishment, the misery, all the hardships, everything else we went through. Ever since the beginning of time, man has did everything that he could possibly do to destroy the works of God, to ignore the works of God, to ignore the instructions of God and run this world the way that they want to run it with no uh, recognition of our creator at all. We don't want to follow him. We don't want to do what he tells us. We ignore his Bible. We don't talk to him. We just act like nothing else matters except our own will and and mankind deserves everything that's coming to him. And I want to tell you today, but despite our efforts to live without God, He is still relentlessly pursuing us in our sins and sheds his grace upon us despite our ignorance. Every morning we wake up with breath in our lungs. Every morning we have our eyes to see, our ears to hear, our our hearts are beating. We have hands to to hug our loved ones and to feel things and, and to be able to walk around. We got feet to be able to carry us from one place to the other. No matter your side of faith, whether you believe in Christ or not today, God has been gracious to you. Now, we look at the beginning for here for a minute. God made everything that we would ever need before he made us. He, he provides. He, he created the water. He created the grass. He, cre- he created the sun by day and the stars and the moon by night. He created the fish in the water, the animals of, of the land and the birds in the air. He created all of our food sources, the fruit trees and the vegetables and things like that. He created a perfect atmosphere for us before he created us. Why? Because when he created his most prized possession, he made sure that we had one for nothing. He provides for us people. He he makes sure that everything that we need is right there and, and then we still rebel against him. But when man rebelled against God and turned his back on God, God still set into motion his faultless plan of redemption and that was a plan that was baptized in his grace and mercy. So let's look at his plan that he has for you today. He could have easily destroyed the earth at the beginning and started over when Adam and Eve messed up in the garden. He has that kind of power. It would have been real easy. You know, he could have he could have just said, you know what, let's wipe these two out and I'll create two more and see if they can get it right. It would have been a definite display of his authority and power, but 
Adam already knew of God's authority and power. He knew who created everything around him. Adam knew who created himself. He even knew God put him to sleep and pulled a rib out of his side and created Eve practically right in front of him. He, he knew God's power, but a, a sign of God's uh, a power, uh, there was a side that Adam had not seen before, and it was his grace. And, and God wouldn't be demonstrating his love by destruction. He, he wouldn't be demonstrating his mercy by starting over. He wouldn't be demonstrating compassion toward us by killing Adam and telling the next man, you know what, I've replaced you once. I, I brought you into this world. I can take you out of this world. I, I'll do it again. You better straighten up and not make the same mistakes the other guy made. No, his love, mercy, and compassion was all demonstrated by becoming one of us, living among us, feeling what we feel, feeling what we deal with, going through our problems, our trials, our tribulations, our hardships, overcoming all the trials of the world for us. God loved us so much that his plan was not to destroy us in our failures, but to come walk through our failures with us. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, as the savior of our transgressions. He, he loved, he hurt, he cried. He suffered not just on the cross, but he suffered the price of living life in a fallen world just as we do every single day. Why? Because Jesus had compassion. He had empathy. He had relationship. We, you know, there's a lot of people out there, especially some folks in my church and some other folks in other churches as I've, as I've grew up in ministry, there's, there's lots of folks out there that I know that uh, have been through things that I haven't been through. You know, I, I've shared with my church that I, I've not been an alcoholic or not been a drug addict and, and not done things like that. So I, I can't relate to the alcoholic like some other people can. I can't relate to what you're going through if you're addicted to alcohol. But, but see, the, there's people around that can do that. And, and Jesus made a point that, that he, he spoke to people. He dealt with people. He built perfect relationships with people while he was here on this earth. So if you were bound by something, Jesus was all up in your business, learning everything about you, feeling your pain, feeling the things that you was going through. He had empathy for these people and he learned every single circumstance that anybody could go through and he felt it. He, he loved these people so much that he felt what they were going through and he could, he could relate and that's why he's your best choice today. He's your best choice for relating with your pain and your suffering. God's son, Jesus Christ, was born to relate with you and me. And, and you can't understand something if you've never been there. But Jesus built so many relationships and walked on this earth and, and dealt with so many pains and sorrows on a regular daily basis for his entire life that he's been everywhere we've been and he relates to our suffering and he, he knows what you are going through. Why? So that he alone could be the purpose for God's grace in our life. And, you know, just like the days of Noah, God, God was done with looking upon sin. The Bible says that God can't look on him. He, he, sin makes God sick. It, the one verse says that it just makes his stomach want to spew us out of his mouth. And so God hasn't changed his viewpoint on sin. He, he's never liked sin. He's always hated sin. And, and in the days of Noah, he was done looking upon sin. He was like, Noah, you better get your family in that boat. I'm about to close the door. I'm tired of this mess. I, I'm about to pour the water out upon the face of the earth. But see, Habakkuk in chapter uh, 1 of verse 13, Habakkuk had a viewpoint 
kind of the same way. He he thought, Lord, why in the world are you are you just letting this go on? How are how are you just continue doing this? Because Habakkuk one and thirteen, he said, How can you stand these treacherous evil men? Your eyes are too holy to look at evil, and you cannot stand the sight of people doing wrong. So why is it going on? Why do you keep waiting to do something? Why do you keep tearing stuff down, Lord? Why don't why don't you just hurry up and just break this thing down and destroy these people and get this over with? But John explained God's grace with a whole lot better answer in John 3 and 17, not 16, but the, the verse right after. He said, God didn't send Jesus to condemn us. On the contrary, he sent him just for the opposite reason so that through Jesus Christ, we could be saved. He said, I didn't come to condemn you. On the contrary, I come to make sure that the condemnation that you heaping upon yourself, I can wipe out and do without and I'll give you something better and I'm going to make provision for you so that the world is not in control of you that I buy you with a price and, and pour my blood out and pay your price for your salvation. I came to save you, not to condemn you in your sins. So the next time you're going through something and you believe that God's just beating you up and he's trying to tear you down, you need to realize that what he really did is he sent his son down here not to condemn you for those actions, but to come in and take the punishment for those actions to fix your problem and step in your shoes and swap places with you so that you could have his unmerited favor even though you didn't deserve it. God's grace upon a fallen humanity was birthed in a shepherd's stable on the outskirts of Bethlehem just over 2,000 years ago. And, and the ultimate, inevitable wrath of God on all mankind's sin was given a detour in the path of time that very day. It was a path so marked by the entrance of God's grace in His Son, Jesus Christ, that the world's way of tracking time was forever changed when God's grace walked in. We all know our calendars. We've looked at it. A lot of you've studied history. You, you know there's a thing called B.C., before Christ, and a thing called AD that means Anno Domini in Latin and it's a it means the year of our Lord when Jesus Christ took his first breath on this earth the world changed the way that it's time the pagans everybody it don't matter if you believe in him or not everybody on this earth follows the time path the detour that God's son set path or, or set forth on this earth the moment that he breathed his first breath why because he makes a difference in your life whether you believe in him or not oh make no mistake God's wrath stayed on course. He still punishes every sin. He's not taking a shortcut on it. He's not moving back and easing up on sin. In John 12 and 32, Jesus explained to the world with his triumphant moment when he said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. What was he saying? Most people were standing around him when he made that statement. They didn't understand the fullness of what he was saying, but Jesus made a profound statement there that a lot of people in the churches today don't even comprehend what he said when he said, that. Jesus was even speaking to his Father in heaven. If you put me on that cross, I'll take your wrath in their place. Put me on that cross and kill me instead of them. I know what they feel like. I know what they've been through. Hang me in their shame and let them go. Let them walk free. Oh, Father, if you'll just place the punishment of every single man on this earth on me. Just place it on me. Don't let them have the wrath. Don't pour out. Look, I'll take their sin. I can relate to their needs. I know their struggles. I know their pains. Lord Jesus, Jesus, oh, God was just, just looking at his son and, and as his son was making this choice to, to go and take your place and to take your punishment and to take everything that you deserve, he just looked up to his father and said, just punish me instead of them. Reroute your wrath for every single person who trusts in me and pour their punishment totally on me. I love them that much. 
But I want to tell you something. Jesus' statement don't end at punishment alone. There's a lot of people that stops right there. But Jesus' agenda, his purpose, the, his whole reason for coming to this earth was not to only show a tremendous undeserved grace to us all. He meant to show a level of grace that was unheard of, un, unimaginable, a, a world-shocking, mind-blowing grace beyond measure because paying for our sins, our transgressions, and our wrongdoings, it was not the final demonstration of God's love, mercy, and grace. And we've got to go back to the cross for a few minutes here so that I can show you that picture because Jesus, he was beaten, he was mocked, he was brutally nailed to the cross. And, and sometime before that day at noon, sometime before uh, midday, that, that single morning there, he was hung up on that cross. And, and the scripture clearly states that in Luke chapter 23 that God caused the sky to darken the light of the sun. Darkness fell over the whole earth. And I know a lot of people People preach that God turned his back on his son and couldn't look upon his son. And that's absolutely true because just like I told you in Habakkuk 1 and 13, God can't look upon sin. He, he turned his back on his own son because of all the sin. Your sin, my sin, everybody's sin was upon him and God couldn't look at him. He turned his back on him. But the darkness fell on the earth for three hours. But there's a, something in that conversation right there, something in that scripture and that passage that I don't believe a lot of people pick up on because God's mercy did something that many people don't see. The, the wounds in Jesus' body, all the beating where they plucked the, the beard out of his face and tore his skin and, and beat his brow open and all the injuries and all the cat of nine tails, all of these wounds were festering and scabbed over and, and they were blistered and the hot sun was beating down on it, causing such terrible pain and swelling. It made the condition he was going through in absolute misery. And I believe even though God turned his back on his son because of the amount of sin that was on him, mercy, God's mercy poured out from the skies in heaven and darkened the sun. He, he blocked the sunlight from putting pain, extra pain down on his son. He gave him some relief. He said, I've got to make sure that you can have a little bit of relief to know that even though I can't look at you, I still love you. Even though I can't look upon the sin on your life, I'm still providing mercy today. Church, you need to see this. God's mercy darkened the skies and even hidden Jesus' shameful state from the eyes of those that was looking on him. His mother was standing right down there looking up on him and she could see in detail how bad her son was destroyed, how bad his skin was beaten, the swelling, all the wounds, the blood stains that was running down his body that had already dried up and caked up and was blistered and swelled and had infection. All of this stuff, the Lord had mercy on his mother as well and just darkened the sky so that she couldn't focus on that anymore. God's mercy. Listen, church if you're going through darkness in your life if you're having problems in your life you got to remember God's mercy has hidden you in the shame of Jesus Christ on that cross even when wrath should have been poured out on you my grace is sufficient for you is what he was saying my strength is made perfect in your weakness even when the weight of the world is upon your shoulders the steadfast love of the Lord Jesus Christ never ceases his mercy never comes to an end and they're new every morning you can turn to him He's faithful. He'll, he'll be just. He's there every single moment that you need him. He's never going to turn away from you. God turned on his son one time so that Jesus would never turn on you. Do you understand that today? Oh, you got to be able to say, great is your faithfulness, God. Great is your faithfulness. Oh, my precious Lord. Church, God provides grace and mercy. Even in the worst of times, his grace is always sufficient for you. 
Even one of the thieves that was hanging beside him recognized Jesus as more than just a man on a tree that was dying a brutal death. Oh, I want to tell you how simple it is this morning. If you're listening around the world, all you people out there in those countries that's paying attention to this podcast, I want you to hear me today. I want to tell you how simple it is this morning to receive Jesus Christ in your heart because that thief... He looked over at the dying man beside him and he called Jesus king. Oh, it didn't come out of his mouth that way, but he he recognized that Jesus didn't deserve the punishment that both of those other guys on each side of him did. And that thief said that, that the Jesus Christ was the son of God. Why? Because he said, when you go into your kingdom, when you enter into your kingdom, remember me. He recognized Jesus for who he was. He recognized him for the son of God and the king of kings and Lord of lords. And listen to this. Don't, don't let this mess you up. Check this out now. This is how religion gets in people's way and messes up their salvation because that thief, he, he didn't have any good works to offer Jesus as payment. He just met him hanging on a cross. He hadn't followed Jesus during his earthly ministry. (coughs) And he hadn't given any money to the church. He hadn't been following him around and supporting him and paying for their food and finding them a place to sleep. He hadn't hadn't provided any money. He hadn't even been off the cross. He he hadn't been somewhere and dipped in water and been baptized. And I know that messes up a lot of people's theology, but you got to listen to me. When When he turned around and looked at Jesus and said, just remember me, he was recognizing him for who he was. And Jesus looked over at him and said, this day, this very day, you'll be with me in paradise. So I want to tell you, whoever's out there, whoever you are, don't complicate your salvation. Don't make it into something that's so complicated you can't live up to it. Just recognize Jesus for who he is because his grace don't stop at the cross for you. Just recognize him as the king of kings. He's in control of everything. His mercy's everlasting. Just recognize him for simply who he is and what he did for you. Because four different gospels, they record the same story and very unique different views. And after the third day, many of Jesus' followers went to the tomb that he was laid in after being crucified on that brutal cross. And and they, they showed up just before daylight, as John said in his gospel, and the stone was there. And, and just like as Jesus left this earth, I want you to picture this, because God made sure everybody know when Jesus took his last breath that the earth trembled, the ground shook, the thunder and the lightning rolled, the storms hid, and and for a moment in time as Jesus was leaving this earth with his last breath, God shook the earth and said, surely this is my son. He let everybody know, even the Roman soldiers sat there and said it. He said, this had to have been the son of God. What have we done? But when they showed up at that tomb that very same moment, Jesus come back into this earth the same way because the Bible says that the earth shook, the ground trembled, and the rocks moved, and, and the stone of one angel, one single angel walked walked up and rolled that stone away and jumped up on top of it and sat down and said, hey folks, what are you doing? How come you're looking for the dead or looking for the living among the dead? Jesus ain't here. He's risen. He's already done what he said he would do. Don't you remember his words? He's risen. He's not in this tomb anymore. Take a look for yourself. And when they looked in there, his body was already gone. Angels were waiting on him, telling them to go tell the good news. Jesus is alive. Don't look for the living among the dead. 
Oh, but check this out, church. You, you got to understand this. And not only was Jesus risen, but as a sign to let every believer know that they're risen with Christ too. If you receive Jesus Christ in your heart as his, as your Savior and your Lord and Lord. Listen, folks, the, the Bible, a lot of people don't talk about this, but the Bible clearly tells us that the saints of old that had died because of their faith in Jesus Christ, the saints of old that believed in God that hadn't had a Savior show up yet, they were in paradise waiting for Jesus to show up. And when Jesus was resurrected, the Bible says that all the graves of the saints of old, they opened up the tombs, ro rose up, and, and they came out of the grave and walked the streets among the people there in Israel. And everybody recognized them. Why? Because Jesus Christ said, if, I lift, if I'm lifted up, I'll draw all men unto myself. Whether you're dead or whether you're lying, I'm the resurrection. I'm the death, burial, and resurrection. Though you were dead, yet shall you live if you believe in me. Jesus Christ made a statement that my grace just keeps on giving. His love just keeps on living. He went to that grave for you. He resurrected from the dead for you. And his purpose for living now is all just for you. Do you understand that today? His purpose for coming back to get us again. It's for you and me. It's not for his own self. He said, I'm the resurrection. And he that believes in me, if you die in your sins today, you're not going to be able to... Uh, fulfill that. You're not going to have a part of that. But if you believe in Jesus Christ, if you receive him today, if you'll take him into your heart and just recognize him for who he is, I know a lot of people try to tell you that, oh, you got to do this and you got to do that and you got to do this and they give you a whole list of do's and don'ts trying to complicate salvation. But I want to tell you today, Jesus said, he that believeth in me, he that believes in me, if you just believe in him and turn your faith toward him, he said that I'll move into your life and I'll make all things new. I'll destroy the old man and I'll bring a new man in and live your life for you. He traded places with you at that cross. He went to hell for you so that you could go sit in his throne in heaven with him. Oh, you need to understand that. If, uh, if the Holy Spirit's dealing with you today, you know what I'm talking about. You need to get on your knees somewhere. You need to find you an altar of repentance somewhere. Pull your car over on the side of the road. Whatever you need to do, don't wait. Don't hold off. Don't put this off another moment. Get on your knees and ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart. He's sitting with the Father in heaven and interceding for you right now saying, I paid the price for you. I shed my blood for you and I, I took your beating. I took your punishment. And now you don't have to do anything but claim the victory that I've already paid for. Don't complicate it. Just believe in Jesus. Receive his gift of grace this morning. Pray with me this morning. Oh, dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I know this message was just for me. I receive you this morning. I believe what this preacher said about you. And I know that you died on that cross for me to pay my price for my sins. I receive you today. I, I believe that you rose from the dead. And I, I believe that you're sitting for the Father right now interceding for me. And through faith in you, I receive you. I ask you to come into my heart. Make me new and change me. And I believe according to your scripture right now that I'm saved. And listen, if you prayed that prayer, the Holy Spirit was calling on you. And you know you, you know if he was, you felt him. You felt him tugging at your heart. And if you prayed that prayer, the Bible says, and all heaven is rejoicing right now because of the choice that you made to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You couldn't have made a better decision in all eternity as that one moment right there where you told Jesus, you're my king and I'm your servant. Come into my heart and take me now. Oh, I just thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, church, if you're listening, oh, just be rejoicing for the souls that have has used this message today to recognize Jesus Christ as their King.
Listen, if you've received him today, tell somebody. Testify about what Jesus has done in your life today. Don't hide it. Don't put it under a bush. Run out and tell the world. Testify. Let the strength of your testimony be your overcoming power. And, and email us. You've got our email address, holdingfasttofaith@outlook.com. Outlook.com. And let us know or find us on our social media accounts and, and message us and let us know on Facebook, Twitter, and, and all those other places you'll find us. Just just tell us. We'll get the message back and we'll rejoice with you on what God has done in your life today and find yourself a church. Get yourself in a place where believers are praying and believers are seeking God's face and reading the word together and, and get with a community of like-minded people and start serving Jesus Christ with everything inside of you. <clears throat> God bless you. Thank you for listening today. Thank you for tuning in and I hope to see you on the next one.